This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. How you doing, everyone? Thank you for tuning into this episode of Ready to Record from Blue Girl Studios, proudly sponsored by VFX Unleashed, powered by Amarillo College and SimCore Productions. My name is Daniel the D3 Cohen. I'm your host, and I'm speaking to you from Blue Girl Productions Worldwide Headquarters and Studios here in my garage. I'm a 20-year-old aspiring musician, engineer, and producer, and like many of you guys, I make music out of my own home studio. You know, some of today's biggest hitmakers work from home studios, so maybe we can help one of you accomplish your big dreams. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to talk about our sponsor, VFX Unleashed, powered by Amarillo College and SEMCOR Productions. VFX Unleashed is a complete accredited online VFX school where you can learn how to have a career in the visual effects industry in classes taught by industry professionals. There are programs in all major aspects of VFX production and software, including Photoshop, After Effects, Maya, Nuke, Cinema 4D, and many more. Online, fully remote classes start every eight weeks, and a full VFX studio within Amarillo College's Innovation Outpost will open next year, which will have a state-of-the-art soundstage and motion capture studio. You can check out all that VFX Unleashed has to offer and enroll today at vfxunleashed.com. Thank you to VFX Unleashed and SEMCOR for being our very first sponsor. We are proud to have you. Now, let's get into the show. Today on Ready to Record, we have on career broadcaster and fellow Pantheon Podcasts host, Jerry Bryant of JBTV. Jerry Bryant has a very long and storied career, and a very interesting one at that. Starting out very early on, like me in his garage growing up, having an illegal radio station and learning the ropes of radio and audio production all pretty much by himself. Throughout his years, he has amassed a wide career with a large resume going from places like KFRC in my native San Francisco all the way to radio and television stations in Milwaukee and Chicago and much more. Now, the interesting thing about Jerry Bryant is he is an interviewer like me and runs a podcast similar to mine in that he interviews people in the music industry. However, while I interview professionals like us, where we interview or record, produce, things like that, Jerry gets on the forefront and interviews the musicians and the artists and the singers and things like that. 
Now, the most interesting thing about today's interview is that while I was interviewing him for my show, he was interviewing me for his as well. So, be prepared for a crazy, fun, all-over-the-place, non-linear, freak-out fun of a conversation. So, without further ado, here's part one of my conversation with Jerry Bryan. Enjoy. Recording in progress. Recording in progress. Are we ready to record? So how are you doing, Daniel? I'm good. Uh, let me, should I hit record on this thing? Sure, hit record. You should record everything. Recording in progress. You know, it's it's funny. This is, this is like, this is like school for me. I was, I was, uh, I was a homeschool kid for 13 years. Good for you. But, uh, but I, I, I was technically in a public school and it was called the California Virtual Academy. And so I, I had real, uh, I had real classes, real everything, but they were through, uh, online. Uh-huh. So I still, I still actually keep in touch with classmates. But the thing that I always laugh at is I'm, I was the high school class of 2019 and all the in-person kids got, didn't get a graduation. I went to the online high school for 13 years before the pandemic thing. And I got a graduation. <laughs> yeah. Because you knew everything that was going on. These new kids don't understand a lot of the stuff that even what we're doing right here, right now, you know. Well, and the unfortunate thing is they don't really teach what we're doing right here, right now. I mean, they're, they're, we were lucky in my high school. I never used it because I, I did this independently. But we had an audio engineering class. We had a film class. We had that sort of thing. And we had great programming. And I think we had some amount of home ec, which is, you know, Anywhere else is, is impossible to find unless you build a time machine and go back to 1977, where they still had some amount of decent home econ- economics. But, I remember that year well. <laughs> well. My mother was class of 76, and she was a big fan of the fact that she had home ec. Wow, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how even everything I had to learn, because I grew up in the 50s. I'm almost 70 years old, so I'm an old man. But uh, but literally, uh, you know, when I grew up, it was nobody knew anything about anything. It was like TV was just black and white. We had three TV channels and uh, I embraced it when I was a kid early on, you know, and I loved I loved television and I went through all the different things. And I, I, you know, back then you could actually hang out at a radio or a TV station and get uh, people to talk to you because they were working there and it was sort of welcoming. You know, I used to hang out at the Uptown Theater and that was the, the end of the, uh, I, I don't know, was it burlesque or that kind of, I don't know if that's the exact term, but uh, where right. they had all those uh, comedians and acts perform. And then they had, a, you know, it was like, it was a change. And I remember the old artists that did all these amazing things at the Uptown Theater performances. And they were like magicians and ventriloquists and dance or whatever they were doing. And they were all saying, yeah, it's the end of it. Nobody cares about us anymore. And it's amazing how each generation has these things. And I'm so excited to see that you've started because I was like 15, 16 when I got into the business. And um, it's so exciting to be there, especially right now. You're at, like you were saying, you were in an online school while people that were in traditional school didn't have any clue how to do online, you know. And right. um, so now you're at the same thing. And every you're going to find out throughout the rest of your life, there's all these new technological changes. So always embrace them at the beginning. And there's nobody that can tell you how to do it. I didn't learn how to set up audio or do mixing or do video or run camera. I had to just do it, you know. And that's the cool thing about uh, 
about everything. That's why I like being at the beginning, you know. It's like at the beginning of bands. Those first bands, those first great bands, they're the ones that made all the money. They made all the, because that was the old school. And there was only a few of them, you know. Mm -hmm. It was a right. big thing, like Guitar Center now and those kind of companies. Uh, they, they don't have the business they used to have because at one point, everybody wanted a band because <laughs> you could get yeah. played. And now you realize, well, everybody can have a band, but only a few are going to make money. It's interesting that, you know, like what you're saying, you, you, you learn like what you're doing now. You've learned probably on your own. Here's how I do a podcast. Here I'm, <laughs> here's what I did well, wrong. Here's as, what I'm as doing. As far as the podcast goes, yeah, I, I never, you know, I, I mean, tell you the truth. I, I really didn't. Like I listen to some podcasts, but the 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 extent that I watched or listened to podcasts was like catching up on the Rachel Maddow show or or like CBS Evening News kind of thing. Like I would right. I would get those in podcast form so I could catch up on the news while I was doing my homework. But as far as like dedicated podcasts that weren't you know secondary markets of of television news programs or things like that, I really didn't get into that until. Mm -hmm really recently and I, I you know even even then there's there's so much other content there's so much music being produced and 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 video that we have to finish you know I'm, I'm in the middle of uh producing a video right now so you know doing listening to podcasts it, it's it's one of those things where I would love to listen to more but don't have the the time necessarily um but I I love the format I I, I grew up I guess I'm still kind of growing up <laughs> how old are you I'm 19. I'll be 20 in about two and a half months. Congratulations. I'm going to be 20 in uh, 20. <laughs> I'm going to be 20 in October. <laughs> I'm going to be I, 70 in October. So I'm a Libra kid. I, you I'm, know. I'm, a, I'm an October baby as well, but I'm a Scorpio. I was born 25th. Uh -huh. Actually, uh, here, here's, a, here's a piece of, I wouldn't call it fun, but maybe interesting trivia. <laughs> uh, my mother worked for Bill Graham for 11 years. Oh, wow. And she was working when Bill died in the helicopter crash. Mm -hmm. Now, 10 years later, she had a kid that was going to be born in the fall. And that kid was a breach. So she had to schedule a cesarean. Ooh. The doctor scheduled the cesarean section for the 10th anniversary of the helicopter crash. Wow. That's me. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Bill Graham. I used to do stuff with the Fillmore. We did uh, tours, all those uh, legendary tours. We uh, did the commercials and production back when, uh, you know, there was a time when nobody really went to concerts and they didn't care. And Bill Graham was was a real trendsetter. He was recording uh, audio, twenty multi-track audio mm -hmm. all the time and uh, everybody said nobody cares about live recording it's all the studio sound you know and uh, he was uh, at the forefront back then and uh what a legendary story to have uh that your mother was working with him you know so uh yeah, yeah that and my <laughs> my my dad uh he he went to columbia university he actually went to to school with bill's son david and uh -huh. actually bill uh david was in my dad's frat so my my father because he's a year old, uh, two years older uh, than David. It, David is actually my dad's little brother uh, from the fraternity. Um, wow. And that's how my father got into it. Um, and he, he has a funny story of, of Bill. Uh, 
he was at Bill's apartment and he knew Bill. Bill was actually at his uh, college graduation. Bill was having some bad show at in New York. Maybe it was MSG. Maybe it was somewhere else. And he was real pissed with New York. And, and mind you, Bill, it, uh, even though, you know, Bill, Bill's got the story, he's the Holocaust survivor and, mm-hmm. you know, all of this thing. The way he carried himself was still a Jewish guy from New York. And so he was pissed and he was sitting in his study in his, in his apartment, I believe. And Bill uh, was sitting with my father, Billy and his son, David. Um, And all of a sudden Bill goes looking at his paperwork. He just goes, fuck New York. Now my dad is a Jewish guy from New York. He was born in Manhattan Mm -hmm. and, and you know, he, he is just the biggest, like, like his New York hasn't existed for decades, but if you told him here's an apartment on the Lower East Side, he would take it at the drop of a hat. He would say bye to my mother and I, and he would, <laughs> he would go right. Um, now, <laughs> back to this story. Bill says "fuck New York," and my father looks at Bill and just says "fuck New York," fuck you, <laughs> you know. And David pulls him aside. <laughs> Uh, shortly thereafter and says, I think you're the first person that has actually had the balls to tell my father to go fuck himself. Hey, are we ready to record yet? <laughs> I I think so. <laughs> that is I, the title of your podcast. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That we, uh, my, my father came up with that. He had a, he had a tagline uh, for the end of the, uh, for the end of the show in episode zero, which is a fake episode. Um, where my father uh, played a fake Shelly Yakis. And I, I have I have that tape somewhere. But my, my father played a fake Shelly Yakis. So, so it was in that uh, episode zero uh, called Live from Blue Girl. And then he realized that his tagline was a little too good to just be a tagline. Mm-hmm. So it's now both the tagline and, and the title of the show. Um, so he's, he's pretty proud of himself. Cool. Well, he should be. Yeah, he's got to be proud of you, too, doing all this stuff. Are you in the basement? Is that where you are? I'm in the basement. I've converted here. Let me let me send you a couple photos here. (laughs) You know, some of the greatest things, uh, some of the greatest programming have come out of garages and basements. I first started. I didn't have a basement, so it was in my garage. And my father, like your father, is so supportive of you. He built a little area for me that I could uh, do my my fake TV station. Then I put an illegal radio station on the air. <laughs> you know, you're a musician, too. What instruments do you play? You have some guitar amps over there, don't you? I, I play a bit of everything, Jerry. Here. Really? Wow. You see, homeschooling worked well for you. So in between math and science and history and all that kind of stuff, you had your keyboards or your guitar, or your drums or whatever going on, huh? Oh, so you got, was that a Hammond organ back there? That's a Hammond M3. Uh, opposite is uh, a Rhodes Mark One Stage 73 electric piano. I got a Nord wow. on top of it. And then above that is a late 80s Roland Alpha Juno synthesizer. Uh, the I used to have a- an Arp Odyssey synthesizer. Uh, oh, those are lovely. Oh, I know. I don't have it anymore. You know, I lost my studio uh, recently just because of the COVID before everything was going, you know. And I was through stage four cancer and all this kind of stuff. I'm a, I'm a survivor of all that. I don't know how. <laughs> you're, you're lucky. We're we're uh, we're uh, we're going to be uh, 
commemorating 20 years of my grandfather being gone, lost stage four lung cancer. Yeah. Uh, New Year's Eve. He died New Year's Eve. Oh, wow. I have both lung and colon cancer. Um, so, uh, but I'm, I'm doing, I actually feel better now than I ever have. So that tells you. And I had a good doctor too, a great hospital, Northwestern here in Chicago that, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was on some, they gave me like, you know, you have like 30 to 60 days to live. Maybe you should get your, you know, affairs in order. And I'm going, well, we got Lollapalooza coming up. I have bands coming by the studio <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think music, it just shows you how therapeutic music is and how good it is for uh, the health. And that really got me through it. Plus, today's chemotherapy is not like the chemotherapy of your uh, of your family member there, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, my Even my mother, when she had uh, chemotherapy, it was like, holy shit, this is like the worst. And I didn't even lose my hair or anything. So, uh, you know, <laughs> crazy, isn't it? I'm, I'm impressed. So, yes, um, back to the back to these. I, I play every instrument here. Um, I kind of play every instrument in the rhythm section. I've stayed away from the wind instruments, but I do kind of I can kind of fake them. Um, and well, you got a synthesizer for that. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I play in a jazz same. band, so it's it's well, I play in a jazz band with anywhere from a two to five piece horn section, depending on the day. Oh wow! So uh, there's nothing like real horns in a show, you know, no. and uh, or a cello like we did the Smashing Pumpkin, Siamese Dream, you know, they came out with a cello player, and it just was so cool. It's amazing how all these different instruments and things that used to be not you know, related to rock and roll are all involved with rock and roll. Now all the music seems to be blending together, you know, totally. We can kind of speaking on the ARP Odyssey uh, synthesizer, we can kind of attribute that to people like Herbie and Chick Corea, but also, you know, before that miles was how they got into that change. Um, and that's, that's how my band operates and how we've gone from, a rock cover band to a funk band to a more straight ahead jazz band to a now we're getting into a sort of jazz pop era. Wow. Good for of, you. Of I'm glad you're doing what you love doing and don't let anybody ever get rid of your passion. You know, it's, it's uh, life is too short. And, uh, you know, I've seen so many people that uh, say, Oh, I wanted to do this or they got married and have kids. And I always wanted to do this, but I never did because I needed a regular job at, some factory doing some mindless work that they hate and they're never happy. And then when they get like my age they go, boy, I wish I would have done that 40 years ago, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, it, you gotta, you gotta do it and you're at the right time at the right place. And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's so encouraging to see that you're doing a show and everything. So, cause I meet so many young bands too, that are just starting out and I keep telling them, Follow your dream and don't let anybody say, like, if you want to do jazz, rock, fusion, whatever format, you do it. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. You know, that that's the totally. best part of it. You know, so if someone says you should just play guitar and be in a touring band. <laughs> right. Know. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's not really how we we want to we want to do things. <laughs> We're in San Francisco, right? And, you know, we have SF jazz and, and all that stuff. And we have a pretty thriving jazz scene. In a couple oh, San of Francisco is such a great place. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, God love New York, but but we're we're a little bit, you know, we're smaller. So we, we come a little bit more uh, concentrated, shall we say. Yeah. I used to work at 610 KFRC Rocks, San Francisco. Oh. 
Yeah. And we did this campaign. We built this city on rock yep. and roll. You know, and uh, was it Dr. Don Rose was the morning guy? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Dr. Don Rose, da da da. You know, anyhow, <laughs> that's back when AM radio really rocked. And KFRC exists now. I don't know if you've if you've heard uh, this uh, this little factoid, but uh, KFRC now uh, exists as an HD two radio station. Oh, really? It's an overlay on top of KCBS News. Ah, interesting. <laughs> um, and they they have a playlist it's it's um it's changed a little bit but a couple of years ago when it when it really came back to full force as an hd2 radio station uh it they used to play lido shuffle like three times a day Mm -hmm. i always hated that with radio you got to keep the playlist because every quarter hour we got to be playing the hits well you know it all went on research where people said you know you're or the research said People don't listen more than 15, 20 minutes or whatever at a time. So every hour you want to keep repeating these hit songs to keep your audience numbers up. And I always hated that. You know, I used to like it when disc jockeys had the freedom to do what they want to do on uh, on the radio. You know, they got the break new artists. Like if you put an album out or a song that's cool, you know, that would be they'd put it on the radio and uh, you could be a local artist and get exposed. But nowadays it's so corporate, you know, every radio station throughout the country sounds like every other radio station throughout the country. Unless you have, unless you have a small, local, low power radio station, then yes, exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, we, we then have this, this then bears the question who is actually listening to radio right now? I don't know. That's uh, I don't listen to radio at all. I'm uh, you know, I've got uh, what Spotify, not I got Spotify, but I hate I've the way Spotify. I've got Apple Music. I I do listen to radio though. I the the thing that I'll end up doing in the car, and I'm I'm always in the car with somebody else. Typically, my mother and I will be in the car, right? My mother and I will flip through radio stations, and if we can't find something, then I'll pull the phone out, you know. But I we we try and listen to radio as be, as, as much as we can. Well, I like when radio used to segue and program, you know. It seems like all these music services, it stops, there's dead air, then another song starts. It's not that blending and that feeling, you know, that you can get. That, you know, like a disc jockey would do, you know, like DJs do now in EDM and all these different concerts where they're mixing things all over the place. You know, radio doesn't even, uh, they do it still on radio, but all these music services, it just stops. <laughs> I hate that. I like to see it blend more and be more programmed. But, you know, it's a computer. What else can you do? <laughs> well, and also, and also it, they kind of treat it like a, 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 a record, like a, yeah. like, like we're, like we're streaming a CD. Right. Right. So, so if we're, if, if they have those weird radio stations, like Dave Grohl for, Apple One or Spotify, some some one of these streaming services. I don't remember which one. <laughs> he did uh, he did a, a radio thing, and they they had pre recorded radio stuff, and it would uh, the the music would fade out, you know, and his voice would come in about the program, and then the next song would come on. And it was it was it felt programmed and it felt right, but that was that was streamed radio they 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 called it radio mm-hmm. whatever the fuck that means when you're not actually over the air uh <laughs> well, yeah well most stations now are all voice tracked you know 
because uh, they don't want to pay the talents and they have a computer. So they, they sit down going, that's, you know, whoever the artist is on 610 KFRC or whatever. And then they just read it all. Okay, well, that's an hour of my work. <laughs> It's mm -hmm. chatter tracking, and I don't like chatter tracking, you know. Uh, but that's it's an easy way to program and keep the station tight and not have dead air, you know. I mean, back in the old days, I'd be playing albums on the radio, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. back when I had a radio station, 93 QFM in Milwaukee, I had um, one of these disc jockeys who's now turned into, I don't know, uh, this is years ago, turned into a Christian guy, but he was having sex on the air so many times. And you know, like when you hit a turntable around the table, you know, on a table, you hear pounding. That's the way it was on the radio, and I have to call up the hotline. Hey, you got to, like, get away from the turntables. <laughs> Anyhow, that's a weird story. I don't know or, if you... Or start uh, playing tapes. Yeah, start playing tapes. But, you know, we did play... Uh, we played cassettes. We had uh, cassettes that we would load up, and I could play all the... I, I was the first to start doing that, too, you know, because it was easier than queuing up a record. You could just hit button, and there's a song, you know? Right. I, I'm sure I'm sure cassette and eight track were were definitely helpful. Yeah, well, it was more of a cassette. It wasn't a track or cassette. It was like an a track. It had its own little uh, container and everything, but it, it would cue it right back up. You could put one song, or you could get a longer one, like for 20, 30 minutes. You could go up to 30 minutes on these, and right. uh, you could program stuff. So, And then you could have them cue other tape machines. That's what we used to do, too. Then you, so. had, the, then you had the big the, 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 the big machines that were that ran at real slow speed. Oh, yeah. Well, three and three quarters. Yeah. Tape. Yeah. I did everything at, you know, I did all my stuff at 15 or 30 IPS. So because <laughs> I'm a well, quality I, I, freak. That's true. But if you think about the old ad, the ads that, that would run at like three and three quarter or one and eighth IPS, just so that they could have the the reel of ads going. It was it was funny. I uh, I was watching this video from this guy who, who has a YouTube channel called Techmoan. And he found and somebody sent him these old tapes from a um, from a now defunct uh, uh, train station or not. The train station wasn't defunct, but the, the uh, service that it that it, it uh, that these tapes had on them was. And he found that they ran it like an inch or, or some somewhere real slow IPS, you know. And it was and it was funny because it was the EOL tapes. It was end of life for this uh, for this customer service uh, support. And I'm thinking about that. I'm like, right? Yeah, they they were all on real slow tape because they had to have a lot know, of info. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that too. But uh, it, that's you know, boy, we're talking audio tape and video tape stuff. You probably never really played with, have you? Uh. Open reel, not as much. Closed reel, yes. Uh -huh. So cassettes, video cassettes, audio cassettes, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. People are saying cassettes are coming back. And I never liked cassettes because they would, you know. <laughs> my, my the millennials think they're they're the, the the millennials are making them a fad. They're they're wearing their stupid yellow beanies and their Doc Martens and their uh safety pin earrings and they're listening to cassettes on Walkmans. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you could make tapes. You could do mixtapes of stuff that you'd give to your girlfriend or whatever. And uh, mm -hmm. oh, here is a mixtape. You'll love this. Nobody ever listened to them. <laughs> and if depends on what you recorded on, they all ran at different speeds. You know. Yeah. So uh, even in the old days of top forty, we turned our turntables just a smidgen 
faster. There was a way you could, you know, adjust them. And uh, so the music sounded faster. And then on the radio station, our competitor would be playing it. And if you listen to something just a smidge faster, it sounds a little brighter and a little happier. And then when you listen to the original, it's like, whoa, it doesn't sound. It was a sort of a psychological thing. But the artists, I don't think, are like that that much, you know, because they go, what's wrong with my record? It's running fast. You know, some stations still do that. They they don't do it by much, but they do it by just enough. Right. I noticed this with um, God, my my one of my guilty pleasure songs, which I hate that it is a guilty pleasure song, but uh, "Stranglehold" Ted Nugent, uh-huh. um, because of that guitar tone. And I was listening to it on the radio, and then I went back home and listened to it because I have it on CD uh, in a compilation album. I put the CD in, and I realized the CD was slower. Mm-hmm. Because the station was speeding it up a bit, yeah. and 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 the and the funniest thing is it's digital now, mm-hmm. so it was faster without the pitch being up. So it was it was not as noticeable had it been you know pitched up mm-hmm. like a like on a, a a record when you go from thirty three to forty five. Um, obviously, not that drastic, but you, you get the point. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so. Yeah, fun, fun stuff. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing how the each generation has all of its own little tools and stuff. And, and people just threw out, you know, even uh, vinyl records for a while just were, they didn't care. All these different companies, people had careers making vinyl and stuff. And there wasn't just one, there was many. Same thing with videotape. You know, Sony and Ampex and 3M were the big videotape companies. And they all went to Japan and they consolidated it all with Sony. And then the big, uh, that tight, whatever the flood or whatever happened over there, uh, the tsunami uh, that destroyed all the plants, it destroyed the big tape plant. And that was the end of videotape. And everybody, well, I guess we're into hard drives now, you know. And uh, there was something nice. I got a collection of videotapes here. I got about maybe 30,000 videotapes in my closets and all over the place. And they're high definition, yeah. uh, two hour tapes. And they still are, they still sound better. The quality on them is great. If you can find a machine, I don't have a machine to play them. You know that, uh, do you ever see that Twilight Zone episode where he's, uh, he loves books and then the end of the world happens and uh, he breaks his glasses and he's in a library, but he can't read anything because he has no glasses. I sort of am that way here in Chicago where I got all these videotapes. I got all these memories. And I remember I've recorded everything for the past 37 years. I've been the guy that did it. I ran camera. I edited it. I hosted the show, whatever. And uh, I remember every tape and I go, oh, this would be great to throw in the interview, edit this piece of video, you know, where I've got whoever talking and uh, I can't do it. So it's like my hands are tied. I hate it. That's the one thing I hate about, uh, you know, where I am right now with my life. So I, I got one word for you, Jerry, and it's 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 come in handy for me time and time again. eBay, eBay. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, the machines I had, I had uh, HD cam uh, SRs. Yeah which are there they cost me back then $80,000 machine i had 6 of them and i was the last online editor that would actually be editing in linear terms not nonlinear linear and uh, with linear editing you can go back and insert on top of but you can't go oh i want this segment shove it over here you can't do that it has to be in order you know um, right 
Did you see the Harlem uh, uh, Festival? Did you see that uh, movie? Uh, not yet, and I'm 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 excited to watch it because it's you know I, I'm from San Francisco, so like the, all the Sly and the Family Stone stuff, and oh yeah, you know them them being on that tape, and and just that there's there's so much. I, I, well, I, that was I, shot on two inch quad and one inch videotape, and um, well, the quality ain't the great. Shot, but, that was shot on tape. Videotape, yes. Really? Yes. That wasn't film in 1969. No, well, there was film, but this, the Harlem, the stuff that I saw in the movie was all videotape. And uh, so they were actual video cameras. And these were, uh, I believe they used Norelco cameras, from what I could tell. <laughs> but um, yeah, there was videotape goes back to the 60s. Well, uh, I, I, I knew that much. I, I'm just impressed because I figured that film would have been the medium they would have preferred for that. Well, again, you see what happened was film was all news. And there was a time when there were uh, cinematographers that shot with film, the CP 16 type cameras and stuff, 16 millimeter with a magnetic soundtrack on it. Right. And uh, that's the way that's what the first camera I learned was that uh, was a CP 16. And then when I went to an ASR after that, when I shot film, and uh, they used to be able to take the film, put it through a developer, and then run it right into a film chain live to air. It was sort of like a seamless way of doing it for, you know, cutting edge kind of stuff at the time. And I was there at the beginning at, in WISN TV 12 in Milwaukee and WITI TV 6. Actually, uh, Channel 6, WITI TV 6, is where Tom Skilling, I don't know if you ever heard of him, he's a famous weatherman from Chicago. And um, he was on WGN America, I believe it was, or WGN. It used to be a national channel. It's not there anymore. Uh, they made it into Newsmax or something like that, you know. And it was just sort of, uh, but anyhow, they went on strike because they saw these video cameras there. And uh, I had a chance because I wasn't, it wasn't a union thing. I could pick up one of the new video cameras and I'm going, whoa, this is amazing. It was an RCA, <laughs> you know. But mm -hmm. uh, again, I, I love television. I love media. I love radio. And uh, it, as you do, I mean, you've been doing it. So you know what I'm talking about. Do you know what's amazing? Here we are in uh, 2021 and everybody had to go online and there's all these all these problems with uh, this technology. It should be much better than this. You know, I always expected by now uh, doing what we're doing would be the utmost perfect quality you know, because right. it's instantaneous and all this kind of stuff. So these these companies got to step up their uh, what they're well, doing. Let me tell you, I had great Internet in 2019. Then all of a sudden it went to it went to shit. That's because everybody started using it all the time. It was they sort of built it like they just built it and didn't think about, oh, everybody's going to be using it next year during a covid crisis, you know. And well. Uh, it overloaded everything. It's like, you know, when you got too many uh, uh, AC cords plugged into an outlet and you blow a fuse or, <laughs> or you turn something on, the lights dim, you know, that kind of stuff. It's funny that you mentioned that I was just uh, working a, a, a show up in Modesto and we uh, we didn't have any bathrooms in our backstage loading dock or anything. So they they put in an executive portage on for us. Oh, I hate those. The executive ones with flushing toilets. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Executive with flushing toilet and real sink. Oh, well, okay. That's better. Yeah, that's important, you know, toilets and bathrooms to me. I, I don't. 
<laughs> and, it, you know. and, it, and on the other side, it, there was a shower for crew uh, to, to shower once you get back. Um, but it, it was funny because it was 97 degrees out at, at the hottest point. It cooled off pretty significantly by showtime. It was, it was lovely. It was around 80 mm-hmm. for showtime. So it was, you know, perfect. But we had the air conditioning on in the thing. I For a second, I turned the AC off just to see what the hell would happen. The lights immediately got brighter. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, because it was probably on a generator, right, is what they were running it on. No? Not even. They, they had a tap from, from, our, uh, main, from our mains. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. Just think Tesla had a way of doing it wirelessly and wouldn't cost us anything. <laughs> uh, the other guy had better promo. That's why we call, uh, that's why everybody in my field calls uh, extension cords Edison's. Yeah. Poor Tesla. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that movie. I expected more technical stuff in that movie that when they came out with that. So, you know. So are you like uh, into scoring uh, films and that kind of stuff yet? Or are you thinking about that? Or No, but I have a lot of contacts who are. Um, one of the guys that I'm I'm in touch with a lot is a guy named Tree Adams. He scores. Uh, he's, he's head composer for NCIS New Orleans, The 100. Wow. Um, Lethal Weapon few others he's done film scores um he's a bmi award winner he's an emmy nominee uh uh then i've got uh, i'm i'm in touch with billy j stein who won a grammy for uh producing the carol king album the 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 one that accompanied the uh the musical Hmm. and he was a he was a program director or, or something along not a program director uh MD so, uh, of uh, one of the musical directors on, on, on the, uh, on the production. And then, uh, Jerry Danielson, who is of course, part of the Pantheon, uh, community here, uh, scores plenty of film, TV and theater. Um, albeit a little, I think a little bit smaller of a scale than, than, uh, tree Adams, but still does a lot of stuff. Um, so, so it's around, um, and it's, it's something that I could conceivably jump into, but frankly, I, the, the stuff that I get called for is, uh, when it, when it comes to things for TV, um, I, I get called to, to produce ads, ad spots. So I've, I've been doing ad spots recently. Mm-hmm. I just had to finish, uh, four, I think a couple weeks ago, um, I used to do commercials. That's a good way to make money and, uh, you know, do it and get it out the door. <laughs> well, when you, when you have the baritone voice, they, they, they like calling you up for it. And then when they find out you're an all in one, uh, cast and crew, then they really love you. Yeah. I found that out too in the early days, but, uh, I don't do any of that stuff anymore. So <laughs> it's crazy. So now are we ready to record, huh, Daniel? <laughs> I, I think so. Well, we've, we've, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thoroughly pleased with how zoom has been treating us. So f- thus far. Good, good. I'm glad you are, you know, but I, I never, uh, I, well, I never use zoom, like I said, so. Well, you know, there's see new things. You're doing new things. I, I was just first introduced to zoom with my friend, Christian white, who does all kinds of editing and stuff. He's in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And, um, for a while we did a show, 
back and forth and we did it live. So he was on in LA and I had it going through here and through my system. And then I pumped it out through my system on, uh, on my, um, whatever it's called. Uh, I don't know, whatever. One of those, uh, you know, players like live stream. And mm -hmm. uh, that's how we did our show. So it was like we were together and that's how I got introduced to Zoom. I never used it in my entire life. And I didn't even have this studio. I mean, I built this. You know, every day I'm changing things. I actually have behind these uh, windows here in this big screen TV one of the great views of Chicago that I can't see because I put black curtains up like it is in your basement. You know how you got to have an atmosphere. It's mm -hmm. dim and it's dark and you can, just, you know, it's like that's and I don't want to see the sun. It's like it's like when you go to a casino, you know, they don't have windows. You don't know what time of the day it is. And they pump oxygen in there and all the other crazy stuff. So that, uh, oh, it's like four in the morning. Gee, it feels like two in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, well, often often I will go down after dinner to edit a podcast and uh, I will miss sunset and then I will miss sunrise. And all of a sudden uh, it's it's tomorrow. Yeah. And it's amazing when you get into your editing, isn't it? Like there you are editing and listening to stuff. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, I'm starting to feel tired. What? It's four in the morning? <laughs> You know, it, uh, it's just amazing how time flies when um, you're doing creative things because that's your mind is so focused and you're so into that whatever you're working on. It means so much that you want to make everything perfect, you know. I've had to learn how to make things less perfect lately and save myself some time. Editing well, out every, uh, ooh, uh, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> oh, those kind of sounds? <laughs> Some of them, some of them you can leave in. Uh, some of them are pretty drastic, but some of them you can leave in. So I, I'm, I've, I've been a little less meticulous, and that's that saved me time, energy, and and uh, allowed me to get some more sleep at a regular hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you're at your home, so you can do what you want. So. <laughs> yeah, but mixing this thing with school when you're going to bed at seven in the morning, when you want to be waking up at seven thirty, yeah, not it doesn't good. doesn't work. You got to get rest. I. You know, I used to only sleep four hours a night. Now I'm sleeping like eight or nine or ten. It's insane. That's like, well, what can I do? <laughs> Last night I was literally editing till four in the morning. And I'm going, holy shit, it's like four in the morning? <laughs> Where did the day go, you know? And we just had the big Lollapalooza weekend here. I didn't right. go, but I had uh, um, Radke, a band, that came into my uh, studio here. So I was editing that, you know. And I had four. I had three of them and me, so that's four microphones. And then I'm muting tracks because I don't have the best soundproofing. I don't like that echo sound, you know. So I'm, sure. I'm muting tracks and cutting and doing all this stuff. And it's uh, it's very time consuming. But uh, that's the way good things are made, right? When you take the time to make it because, you know, it uh, anything beautiful, all these major films and soundtracks and albums, they, they don't happen overnight, you know. It, uh, <laughs> it takes uh, sometimes years of just perfecting those songs you know look what prince did he has a whole vault of stuff that every day he'd be recording all this new stuff and then what did he you know it was all just stuck well that's okay i stuck it in the corner and they're finished mixes they're finished things but he just wasn't happy with what they were doing they were ideas and and sometimes stuff you do early on 10 years later is like whoa i was really cutting edge back then <laughs> And, well, uh, I mean, if they released an album a year of his from the vault, he'd uh, he'd have eight millennia worth of, you know, there there's so much crap down there. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know much about it, but uh, I've heard, you know, 
The same thing with Jeff Buckley uh, that I, I did stuff with him. I don't know if you're familiar with Jeff Buckley. Um, not, not very, but I do know the name. Yeah, he was one of those artists that was an amazing perfectionist. I mean, we had him in the studio, and he was disappointed because back then radio wouldn't really play Jeff Buckley. It was like, well... You know, and then we did a concert with him, uh, I think it was 93 or 95 at Chicago's Metro. And we shot it with uh, eight uh, cameras, standard def, not high def. Um, sure. And literally we, uh, you know, the record company says, you know, Jeff, uh, now he had a sold out show. He had his, you know how artists get their fan base. He had mm. a beautiful fan base, loyal. It's like, you know, the Grateful Dead fan base. Whatever happens, they're going to be there, you know. Yep. And uh, he had that. And that was his, he was programming to them, not to the fact he should be playing rock and roll songs, you know. And uh, he like he did Hallelujah, the original version. And it was just, yeah, it was magical. And we did a DVD. I gave the footage to the mother. Uh, and that's released, but that was just one of those songs that just still lives on, you know, but he, before he passed away, he booked, um, whatever it was, um, and in the studio, uh, whatever time it was. And he literally booked all this time and recorded like two other albums that nobody, the record company didn't even know that he did it because he was so prepared. He was so professional. So when he went into the studio, he did his work. He didn't just sit around getting stoned or whatever and uh, hoping for ideas. He came in prepared. I think Prince was the same way. You know, he'd go down and lock himself in the studio like you've locked yourself into your studio area there and uh, just start working and creating. And a lot of it never sees the light of day. But the stuff that does sometimes is, you know, well, anyhow, you know what I'm saying. Crazy, isn't it, that uh, we are dealing with this kind of technology in 2021. And Recording stopped. Uh -oh. Recording in progress. Uh-oh. Hello? Are you, you're back. I'm it, back and I'm also calling you. Also calling. Here we are. Hello. <laughs> Recording stopped. Should we hang up? I I think I think now that I'm back on the uh, on on the Zoom, then yes. Okay, because I'm recording you through my Zoom my system Zoom. here. There we go. There I we heard, go. I heard. I I, I like the phone in the background there. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's real pleasant. I just got a new phone. Yeah, what did you get? Uh, the latest and greatest, the 12 Pro Max. I'm gonna have to send this one back and 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 get a different one other than this. They had uh, it's been a whole process. I I bought these through telesales on Thursday from Verizon Wireless. Uh huh. And I had uh, I had mine scheduled for pickup, so I picked it up, saw that it was the correct phone except the wrong storage. Uh, uh -huh. Went back in, tried to exchange the phone out. They said, leave the phone in the box. Uh, they couldn't. Told me to come back two days later, and I scheduled an appointment for to to try and rectify it. They couldn't help me again. They told me to call customer service. I called customer service. They couldn't figure it out. Oh, so what they God. told me to do was just open the phone uh, so it can activate, so we can see it in our system. And then they'll charge you the restocking fee, but here's what we'll do. We'll credit the restocking fee. We'll credit actually double the restocking fee. So we've paid for the restocking fee. So you don't have to take that out of your pocket. And we'll pay you the other, another, uh, the, uh, a second cost of the restocking fee out to you or credit to you for your trouble. Um, open the phone, get it set up, go back to the store and at your earliest convenience, 
get the phone that you actually want, return this one and transfer all the data over from the one that you've just set up. So it's this whole hoopla. Yeah. I'm just grateful that I can actually use this device that I've had for a couple of days because the last cell phone that I had, which is five years old, uh, I couldn't hear through the earpiece anymore. The speakerphone oh. was not working uh, very well. It worked better than the earpiece, but not great. It could barely connect to the to the cell towers. Um, it was dropping calls all the time. The headphone jack really only worked part of the time, so you couldn't really take calls from the headphone jack. Bluetooth was spotty. Wi-Fi was spotty. All of the above. Yeah. So even though I'm only going to be using this device for like a day or two, uh, it's far better than what I was using before. Yeah, I got. Uh, I think I have an iPhone something Pro too. I got it last year. Um, I don't have a clue, but it's got the three cameras. You know that there's a if you want to shoot video with your phone, there's a thing called Filmic Pro mm -hmm. that uh, you allow you can do uh, focus and you can do uh, all the iris adjustments. So uh, and it'll stay. You know how auto looks bad when you move it around, but this will lock it in for the right exposure, so you can do cooler stuff with it. And uh, that's an app that I have. I never use it, but I have it. You know. Also, I got a. Um, a DJI um, stabilizer that I never use either that you can oh, put your okay. iPhone into, which works really well because it gives you, a, you know, with the Filmic thing, a pro uh, app and the DJI uh, stabilizer, I, you know, it uh, for the iPhone, it works great. And I also got an itty bitty for $199, one of these action cameras. Here, I'll show you. Um, and since we're doing all right, I'm going to resume the recording here. Oh, okay. Just to see. <laughs> see, I use the uh, the little uh, action cam I got, which is really nice. And this is uh, from DJI Osmo does this too. So it's $199. It shoots 4K. It shoots slow motion and photos. And uh, I put on a little tripod, and you can do all these cool shots with it. Good investment that uh, you could have. You could be taping your shows and all kinds of cool stuff, you know. Well, we've been talking about putting GoPro Hero 4s up around the, uh, or Hero 6, whatever the newest one is, because they're relatively inexpensive. And we have enough places we, we can use them as points for mounting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and uh, you can get, now this doesn't do live video output. I think the GoPros do, though, because I've seen those, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. you can put an HDMI or something connected to it. And then you can get one of these little itty-bitty switchers, and you can sit there and just switch things. Mm-hmm. And Blackmagic has a couple of them that are really good. Wow, what a great company Blackmagic is, aren't they? The, right. they I mean, literally, I got a, a clean switch that I bought that controls HD, SDI, which is the highest form of uh, digital uh, from right. your, your cameras, if you have one of those. A lot of cameras just have, you know, the lower-cost cameras have HDMI. But I got, like, multiple cameras here that have HD, SDI out. And I brought those into a, a Shogun uh, recorder here. I have a four channel recorder, so I'm, I'm recording you. Plus I have three other cameras shooting me, although I'm not going to use them all, but they're here, you know? And, right. um, so that's another way of uh, doing stuff. That's a little costly though. Those two things, but yeah, those little switchers are just a couple hundred bucks. It's amazing. You mm -hmm. know what you can, you can get yeah, for the audio. You can get a little portable eight channel, uh, recorder and have all your microphones there too. And then it gives you a file. Like you can edit in your pro right. tool system, you know? So, I, I, I'm lazy 
Uh, so I, I end up just recording through the Pro Tools system anyway. Well, you got it there. You might as well use it, right? Right. If it if it's if it's in the studio and I've I've already got it, then I I might as well use it. Yeah, yeah. We do whenever we uh, shot concerts. I don't know if you've seen or know much about JVTV, but uh, I was a quality freak. I still I was. I am a quality freak. And uh, all of our shows, like we'd bring in, you know, Local H or or Failure or Gary Newman or any of these different artists that played at our JVTV stage, they were all mm -hmm. multi-tracked. We recorded everything. And then my audio guys would go in and remix everything and cut it down and make it sound great, you know, because the thing about TV audio is most people just take a board feed, which is not good enough because the board feed is pretty much the monitors in the in the wherever you are and you're like well i don't have the drums mic'd up you can hear those and hit that guitar player so damn loud i don't need to deal with that but i need to get the vocal in this and you just for the people listening at the time in that live environment it's perfect but they go back to uh the studio and it's like oh it sounds like crap you know right so right. it's it's amazing and that's all pro tools we did all that on multi-track same thing when we shot uh, all the early days at chicago's metro with radiohead and uh Polly Jean harvey and smashing pumpkins and uh all those different bands we taped uh, a couple hundreds of them uh they were all multi-tracked on actual audio tape two inch uh tape on a on a uh, mci uh um whatever <laughs> tape deck at uh, 30 ips huh you brought open reel analog decks out. Yeah, we had a truck. We had a truck with two of them. Oh, okay. That, that makes uh, Tim sense. was the audio guy with Metro Mobile Sound here in Chicago. And uh, he came up with his truck, parked it outside, ran his snake into the, into the venue, and uh, he'd ISO everything. He had two machines because we recorded at very high speed back then. So we would never miss anything. You know, it would just keep recording. Then he'd start the other one, put another tape on. And, uh, you know, we have all the raw tracks there, you know, so, so, uh, so he had two machines and he was using them, uh, bounce between the two. Yes. Yes. So we wouldn't miss anything that, uh, they weren't like running continuously, both of them, although they all had the same feeds and everything, you know, which right, but they, they weren't run as empty machines together. No, 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 no. They, we didn't, uh, time code back then was, well, it was there, but it wasn't like it. Well, you had to have time code to edit. You know, right. uh, even on in the old days, quad. I remember when I first started editing on quad videotape, I'd have two machines, the record deck and the play, and I'd play this. I'd have this playing, and then I just punched in, <laughs> and because uh, you could actually cue those older machines, videotape mm -hmm. machines, a bit. The new ones, you couldn't do any of that stuff. They were these cassettes, you know. Even right. on one inch, uh, I had an, uh, a Sony twenty eight hundred, I think it was, uh, one inch tape deck that did single. Uh, frame editing so we had a bosch graphic system we did high end i did i worked for like 300 radio stations i did radio and i did a lot of their i did their tv commercials and uh, like with kfrc in san francisco you know those tv commercials were all edited on one inch videotape i still have yeah. the tape sitting here so <laughs> you know but anyhow oh boy i'm living in the past too much aren't i here i'm talking to such a youngster <laughs> well we youngsters got to learn from somewhere, right? <laughs> well, uh, I think, you know, the new technology, I got to say, I'm editing. I got, uh, I do video editing now with the um, Blackmagic DaVinci Resolve. I was going to ask if, if you were using Resolve. Oh, I love Resolve. And it's free. Although I got for $2.99, you can buy the upgrade. I got right. the studio version. But I got to tell you, I never, 
that my first editor was that. I had an Avid at one time. I hated it. This thing's great because in the same timeline, you have color correction. You can do all these different things. And it is just, it's an incredible piece of equipment. And uh, I, I, so no subscription. I hate the fact, like with uh, all these other things, you got to pay a monthly fee and you're like held hostage. If you're broke, what are you going to do? You can't even edit after the end of the month. Your stuff's lost, you know? Right. And uh, with this, it's just sitting there. So uh, I love it. It's right yeah. back here. It's the. It's it's doing this uh, graphic back here. I don't know if you can see that thing moving. It's in a mm -hmm. loop. So uh, and I made all that, all of it I made on the DaVinci Resolve uh, six uh, seventeen. I'm on seventeen now. So I've been in Final Cut Pro. I I started learning Final Cut with the Final Cut Studio package in Final Cut Seven. Right. Actually, I think I had Final Cut four or five on an old uh, Power PC machine years ago. Um, I, I didn't have a, I only had an MDD within the last like five or so years as like a dump machine. So I could have, I had hard drives in it and I used it as kind of a backup server, but, um, I had a, uh, I had one of the, uh, Quicksilver machines, uh, power Mac G fours, ah. uh, years ago, you know, as, as a kid that was, it was the hand-me-down computer, but the hand-me-down computer was still actually in support. So even though, you know, they had already been in Intel, you could still actually call up Apple and ask ask for assistance with your PowerPC machine because they were still, you know, it wasn't end of life yet. Um, That's they when they had good support too. Unlike the phone support right. you got with uh, with the simple iPhone, you would think the support people would know every single thing about that iPhone, but no. Problem was this was not Apple that I bought this from. This oh, was you from bought it from? A, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I bought I bought my phone from Verizon, uh, my carrier, and the. I, I, I don't know if I will be buying through my carrier uh, anytime soon. Well, definitely not. I'll be keeping this for five to seven years. But uh, yeah, it won't last. Next year, it's already outdated. <sighs> you know, I'm, I'm using a 12 year old computer to to do to, to do all my editing. I'm using a nine year old laptop to talk to you. So I, I, I keep I keep uh, I keep obsolete things. Well, I think technology should be available to us no matter how old, you know, uh, because technology, it, it's there, but they just, they, you know, these companies just want to outdate it and move you into the next product, you know, so fast. It's a well, shame, that, you know. This is actually something that I was talking to Tony Shepard about. He and I had been talking about it. He was, he, he, um, he started producing on Synclavier systems um, and, and he started programming Synclaviers and all that stuff. And one of the things that he kept saying was like, what's what's going to happen to all these formats? We have all these formats. We have the Sony digital audio tape, you know, the 2448 track stuff that they did that was still on two inch. And they had, you know, they, they had all of this, all the digital mediums, the the DAT tapes, ADATs, DA88, uh, yep. the Sony P I think it was the Sony PCM, if if memory is serving, uh, um, or the 2448 and the, the the 4896, something something like that. I'm 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 blanking on the on the actual model names, but you you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know exactly. Open I Real had them all. <laughs> Studer had their version of the digital of the Open Real digi digital audio tape. Can't talk. Uh, Synclavier had its own floppy system. There was hard disk recording already. There, there was everything. And, you know, yes, we're now in broadcast wave right now, but 
what's going to happen when somebody, some archivist comes up and goes, well, we want to restore all of these files. We want to restore all this data. Well, there's, there's no, <laughs> there's no centralized medium and there's no, there's no effort to, to, to go through it. And, and, you know, the, the thing that, uh, Tony kept harping on was, you know, AES should really be dealing with this. And I'm, I, and I, I was listening to him harp about AES, and I'm going, screw AES. NARES should be dealing with this, you know. I, I mean, AES should too. NAB should too, because you know the broadcasters equally use this stuff as the engineers, and the recording academy wouldn't exist without these mediums. So it should really be a joint thing between AES and NAB and and the recording academy, and maybe NAM because they they're the ones that deal with all of the merchant uh the merchandisers and all the merchandise you know yeah it's uh it's a shame that there's so much that's going to get lost uh so much history that's just going to get thrown right. and uh you know and the talent there's so much undiscovered still right now talent you know like uh like the Harlem movie you know it's like uh that those videotapes sat in somebody's closet for years and never saw the light of day. And then, uh, you know, they were resurrected. And it's so cool to see that. And thank God they did it when they did, because another couple of years, those tapes would have been lost forever, you know? Right. And right. Uh, it's the same. Remember Johnny Carson? I don't know. You probably remember. He used to have a show on NBC, the late night show, Johnny Carson. And uh, half of his library, uh, NBC just threw it out. Because they go, well, we're never going to play this stuff. And just <laughs> just got and, rid of it and, because and it think, takes up storage. Think of the Universal Fire. Think of how much unreleased good material was in that fire that got just lost. Yes, the, uh, the outtakes, you know, those those precious moments that today would be just so amazing to see, you know. The outtakes, unreleased records, it's, you know, there there's a lot of shit that's just gone now, you know. Or, or um, uh, a little bit more obscure. I don't know how mainstream. I don't know if you watch the show Doctor Who at all. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I right. grew up on Doctor Who. Well, if you're a child of the 50s, then I would pres I, I could perhaps assume so. And, and I, I assume you still watched it when it was uh, broadcast in the United States through PBS. Yes, that's where I only saw it, it was on PBS. But uh, they had the earlier episodes and... Uh, when they went through all the different, you could tell the different cameras and how they put it together versus mm -hmm. how it's done today, you know? Right. And most of everything from a, a lot of the early Bill Hartnell stuff, the uh, William Hartnell, Patrick Troughton, uh, some of the stuff from uh, the era of John Pertwee, uh, you know, all up until the early 80s, I think, and even still, uh, there's some that that's lost from from the 80s and uh, from, well from the 80s it wasn't on the 90s, but uh, a lot of that stuff from that 20 year period is just gone because films film was lost, films were burned because they thought they didn't need it, and when it got to the era of tape and it when they switched over to tape in I guess the 70s, a lot of the tapes were recorded over. Yeah, because you saved money when you did that. I did that for a lot of stuff, too. I regret the fact that I don't have, like, from the Smashing Pumpkins. I have the edit, 
But I used to have 10 cameras, 8 to 10 camera tapes. And I I had to record over them because each tape was a couple hundred bucks. You know, it was expensive. Right. And uh, I'm, I, I, to this day, hate that. But the same thing's happening with hard drives. You can have this great hard drive, you know, a 36 terabyte, which are all mine. I got about a petabyte of uh, hard drives in the back room. And, you know, a lot of them are now degrading where they, they don't even play anymore. And uh, the same thing is happening again. And it's sort of funny. You go back to old albums that you could record, like from the 30s and the 20s or whenever they started doing albums. They mm -hmm. could record your own and print them. Those you can still play. You can at least find something to play them. Right. You know, because it's a hard piece of content, you know. So. Right. Yeah. Boy, technology. It. it archiving and uh is the most important part of what you do you got to back up everything and put it somewhere and uh and even if you in the cloud i worry about stuff in the cloud because here it is someplace else and if you don't pay your bill or if you go through a hard time like this covid time and you get you know get evicted or whatever happens to you uh, your whole life can be lost in the cloud because you couldn't pay your bill and after a couple of months they just erase it they don't care you know because they need the storage. Not, not their problem. They they need the storage. Yeah, it's all about money, 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 and fees. That's why I like the Blackmagic Resolve editing system. Because once you buy it, you own it. And they give you free updates. I've had like 20 updates since I bought this thing. Same thing with, uh, same thing with um, Final Cut. Yeah, yeah. But Final that's Cut. a monthly fee though, right? Or, is that a, or do you get to own it? One-time purchase. Oh, okay. Well, uh, that's news to get, me. I didn't know that. Free updates for the rest of for the for till EOL. Well, that's the best because you could. But like, I had a smoke system from Discrete Logic, a five hundred thousand dollar graphic system. It did only about sixty seconds of actual video editing, <laughs> but uh, it was so expensive to run that thing. And then when they upgraded it to everybody could run it on a PC or an Apple mm -hmm. computer or something, uh, well, then you had to buy another license. And they charged you every year a lot of money to upgrade that license. You know, you could keep it at the old version, but then it didn't support any of the new formats or whatever came out. Right. Well, the thing that's pissing me off is I, I use a, a software from a company called Propellerhead. And this is this is what I record my my music through so so most most music that i do personally i record through propellerhead software reason if i if i have a client come in i'll use purtles but if i'm if i'm doing something where it's my thing or i know i'm not really going to be collaborating or sending tracks out and i can send tracks out i know how to do it well through this software but if i'm if i'm doing something that involves me if i'm the producer i it's my band that sort of thing i use reason Reason now, you can still buy as a perpetual license. But if you want the coolest, newest, bestest toys, you have to go for the subscription platform. Yeah, yeah. And you can still have the perpetual license underneath it. So if you want to get rid of the subscription, you can. And you're not going to be left without software. But you have to get the subscription to to have all the new toys right right and they're always coming out with new stuff and new advances you know right my 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 favorite thing was this was almost 10 years ago i was talking to a friend of mine he he was talking about how he uh 
how he loved his yearly subscription because it was cheaper than than just buying it outright. And I, I think of it and I listened to him and I thought, boy, I know you to be such an intelligent human being, but listen to how stupid you sound right now. And I'm thinking like 10 years later, boy, hey buddy, <laughs> how much money have you spent on that on that piece of software? You know? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. You got you got updates. How much how much would the perpetual license upgrade have cost you two, three times over the last 10 years versus the the yearly subscription. Right, right. And uh, you can't play any of your old files. <laughs> well, luckily, this was this this wasn't even this, this wasn't even uh, uh, audio or video software. It was it was the Microsoft Office suite and Adobe and Adobe Reader. Ah, it was it was Word documents and PDFs. And I'm thinking, boy, I I still have Word 2008. It's on this computer that I'm talking to you right now. I'm thinking as a 12 year old, 13 year old piece of software, it works fine. You know, it's on a disc. I have the, uh, I have a USB uh, optical drive. I can put (laughs) it on this computer. I'm just fine. You know, I don't care. And it works great. And I'm thinking about my buddy who's, who's been paying this monthly or yearly subscription for the last, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years now. Boy. Yeah. So the buyouts are the best, you know, if you own it and yeah, yeah, makes total sense. So, so is there anything you want to know about JBTV or, uh, I, well, so much actually, because you, there, there's a whole lot of JBTV has a lot of history outside of being a video podcast. I just started the, the podcast stuff. I mean, I've been a broadcast TV show for all these years, so. Right. You started in what, 1984, right? Nine, well, I started uh, actually 1968 with radio, but. Uh, sure. And uh, I got into vi- JBTV, video. JBTV, the television. JBTV officially was 1984 in October. Yes. And I, I felt like I had a TV camera. I felt like I was Big Brother or something with my camera, and uh, it was it was an exciting time. And mm-hmm. I started out just uh, see, I did TV commercials back then, and uh, they would send me a, a, a you know a one inch videotape of all these different artists. And on there, it's like let's say the commercial says you know Madonna, we're going to use in the commercial. I'll go you know Hello right. Vogue or whatever. And on the same reel, there'd be Peter Murphy and all these other artists, and I'm going. MTV, they're not playing this stuff. And because uh, MTV started a couple of years before I did, mm-hmm. uh, I sort of watched MTV and I was inspired by it. But if I saw a video that MTV was playing, I was not going to put it on TV, period. That's just the way yeah. I was. Uh, I wanted to help artists at the beginning. I wanted to help the important artists. You know, when Peter Murphy came into the studio, he was so prou- proud of the fact that his video got airplay, which is the Scarlet Thing and You video uh, mm-hmm. that his wife produced for $60,000. And uh, MTV refused to play it. And uh, I was putting it, same thing with They Might Be Giants from uh, New York. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, they, they didn't, nobody cared about them. And we put them on TV and all of a sudden they got some traction, you know, with stuff. Not that I was the one, but we were on WOR out of New York. Uh, with my TV show. So we were on, people were uh, sending us, uh, they said, we're watching somewhere, like, because we were on the open, there was a time when the satellite was free. So people, 
anywhere you could get access to a satellite. Uh, people were had batteries, like car batteries, to a little TV and a satellite dish watching us all around the world. And it was <laughs> such an exciting time. That doesn't exist anymore. It's right. like the old days of uh, news, like the CBS Evening News. Well, if you had the satellite, they would go to the commercial, but you'd still see like Walter Cronkite or whoever was on uh, fixing the makeup or talking to their producer because they had the live feed. They just left it up, you know, and the, the stations would cut away. But uh, they scrambled all that and it, uh, it changed, you know. Like there was a time, remember, there used to be paid TV channels where they would show like adult movies, but it was over the air. But it'd be scrambled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people figured out a way to even unscramble those uh, at one point. Uh, and occasionally people would watch it just to see if something would show up, you know. <laughs> Jerry and I have had a lot of fun during this conversation, and I hope you did too. If you have, the fun isn't stopping here. Tune in next week for part two of my conversation with Jerry Bryant. We're going to talk about things in the audio and the radio and the television industry that you guys may not have heard before and definitely will enjoy. Also in part two, I will be sharing some updates on some music that I have recorded and a couple of gear talk items that I am super excited to share with all of you. But for now, this has been Daniel the D3 Cohen signing off from Blue Girl Productions Worldwide Headquarters and Studios right here in San Francisco, California. We're ready to record. <laughs>